things that we have as a great hope as a believer is not just that the coming of the Lord of one day, but also that his presence comes daily to empower us to deliver powerful life, eh? Powerful life. I want to share with you something uh, prophetic for this coming year. So about seven things I believe God's wanting to uh, touch us with in the coming year. And so I just encourage you, if you just get the headings, you'll be right. You can go and think about these, meditate on these. And when you get to the end of the year, drag them all out and see how many of these came to pass in your life over the course of the year. How many know God continually speaks to us and directs us? He's a living God, not a dead God. Okay, we're just going to start off in the verse here in John chapter 10, verse 10. I'd like you to have a look at that. This is Jesus' statement. I am come that you might have, that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. In other words, Jesus came into the world in order to connect us with God, in order to bring us into a relationship with Him personally. And out of that relationship, one of the things he said would be life. There'd be life. I've come, not you have a heap of religion, a heap of rules, a heap of do this, don't do that. He said, I've come to bring you life that comes out of relationship. And he said, not only life, he said life more abundantly, just a surpassing and abundant life. So if you had a great time this year, if there were lots of things happening in your life this year, God has got much more for you in the coming year. But you have to position yourself to be able to receive it. I want to speak to you out of a passage of Scripture, and I want to talk to you about some changes I feel in my heart that God is bringing in the coming year, some things in this coming year to look forward to. Wouldn't that be great? And uh, beginning of February, we've got Charlie Robinson, a prophet coming from... Uh, he's coming back again, beginning of the year. So we've got that's just before Waitangi Day. So we're going to start the year off with his season of prayer and fasting and then a time of uh, encounter with God. Uh, in the middle of uh, February, I've got a young guy and uh, he's uh, built a church from nothing in, in Malaysia. A tremendous young guy. You're going to love him, uh, Kevin. And uh, he is just a tremendous young guy. I built a church over a thousand and uh, it's just a pumping live church just like this one. It just really rocks. And so he'll be coming doing a whole weekend with us. You're going to really enjoy it. So we've got young and old. They're going to be great. Got every age has got something there for you. Amen? Okay, let's just... I want you to look with me in Joshua chapter 14. Joshua chapter 14. Every year is an opportunity for us to grow ahead and to go forward. You know, God's plan is never that you just stop and rest. Uh, there's no resting for us with God. God's always thinking new things for us. His plans for our life always takes into account where we are, where we've been, what's going on, what struggles we have. And, and he presents us all the time with a challenge to grow and move forward. And uh, I want to just go to a scripture in Joshua chapter 14. And uh, you remember a couple of weeks ago I was speaking about that, uh, how um, Joshua or Moses spoke. And he said these words, you've gone around this mountain long enough. Time to change. So I want to pick up from there. I want to pick up some things I feel God is going to touch lives with this year. And uh, it's up to you to position yourself whether this happens to you or not. It's always our choice. You have to understand that. God just doesn't do stuff. He does stuff because people believe and hear him and respond. And so I want to share with you some things. If you'll respond to these things this year, then I believe it's going to be a tremendous year. So we pick it up now. Now, where we're at now is the people of Israel had uh, come out of uh, Egypt. They had come under the leadership of Moses, but they failed to possess what God intended them to have. They fell short of God's purpose. Terrible thing to get to the end of your life and realize you never discovered your life purpose and to look back with regrets that you chose an easy path or a soft path rather than a path of challenge that brought you enlargement and brought you a fulfilled life. 
And so they failed. And so now a new generation has arisen and the new generation has come into the land. The new generation is made up of people of every age. I like that. And here's the one I really like, and this guy's name is Caleb. And Caleb's got some things to say. Caleb is 85, and he's still got something important to say. A lot of people at 85, you can't understand what they say, you know. But this man at 85 had something important to say. It wasn't just what he had to say. It was what he carried in his life. It's what he carried within him. That's why I said to the team uh, the night before we did our performance down in the park, it's not about the words I speak, it's about what you are, what you carry. God calls us to carry his life. You can't see it, but you can feel it and you can experience it. And we're going to read here, it says, pick it up here in Joshua chapter 14. Then, verse 6, the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite said, Now, you know the thing the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning me and you in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word as was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, and I, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. What a great thing to 85 to be able to say that. And Moses uh, swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your feet have trodden on shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you wholly followed the Lord. And behold, now the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years, even since the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and here I am, 85 years old. There you are, all you people over 70. Get into this message here. This is really good. Okay, read on. And he says, I'm as strong today as I was the day Moses sent me. That's great stuff, isn't it, eh? And he says, no, he's not, a, he's, not a, he's not really an old fella, is he? He's really got some fire in this man. He says, I, I'm as strong today as I was in the day Moses sent me, as my strength was then, now, uh, then, even now, even so is my strength now for war to go out and to come in. Now, give me this mountain that the Lord spoke of in that day, for you heard in that day how the Anakims were there, that's the giants, the cities were great and walled, but if it's so the Lord is with me, I'll be able to drive them out like the Lord said. Oh, I love this man. Give me this mountain. And Joshua blessed him and gave Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, Hebron for an inheritance. And Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite until this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Notice how many times that keeps coming up, wholly followed the Lord. And he named Hebron, which before was the city of giants, and he named it Hebron, and the land had rest from war. And tremendous passage of scripture. We're going to look, and here's a man, here's a man at 85 years old, and you know what? He is burning with faith. He is burning with vision. And I want to just go through the story, not to just preach about Caleb. I was tossing up whether to go through and talk and speak about him and the qualities in his life, but what I felt the Lord put on my heart was to speak of several things in this passage that speak of some things that are coming this year for us. So let me just give them to you, and uh, I'll give them to you as a list, and then we'll go through them one at a time and see how I get them. Uh, number one, a year of change. A year of change. A year of change. You need to plan to change. Because we'll all be changing. I'm going to be changing. Everyone who's hanging around me will be changing. So anyone who's following is going to be changing. Second thing, it is a year of an overcoming mentality. It's a year to change mentality. So you've got an overcoming mentality. Later in the year, in October, we've got Dave McCracken coming back. And we'll be doing a special seminar 
on Born to Overcome. You're going to have some teaching and help and impartation how to get an overcoming mentality, how to begin to start to think and act differently like a winner instead of a loser. And uh, here's the third thing. It's going to be year prophetic revelation and dreaming. You need to begin to start to dream and position yourself for God to speak to you. Here's the fourth. The next thing the, the, uh, that I believe it'll be is a year for strong faith, a year for believing God and seeing promises come about in our lives. Five, it's a year for discipleship and growth, personal growth. Year of discipleship and personal growth. I'll go back through these shortly and give you a bit more on them. Uh, number six, a year of enlargement and challenge. You're going to face some challenges in the coming year that are designed by God to bring enlargement. Say, challenges are good for us. Turn someone next to you. Say, you need a good challenge this coming year. You need a good challenge. Ah, you do. Some say, I've had all the challenges I want. Let me rest. Come on. You can rest in the graveyard. Everyone's at peace there. You don't have to, while you've still got breath in you, it's a time to take on another challenge. You know? And then finally, it's a year of blessing and conflict. Oh, you're going to hate that one, eh? A year of blessing and conflict because there's no advancement without some kind of struggles on the way. Let's go back through the story. I want to pick up the various parts of it and show you just where I am coming from on this. These are things I felt the Lord put on my heart for the coming year. I feel that other prophets around the world are speaking similar kinds of things. So as you just listen in, listen in not just for what I'm saying, listen in for what God puts into your heart as a personal challenge for you. Amen? Number one, a year of change. You notice what it says? It says in verse 6, first part of verse 6, Then the children of Judah came under Joshua in Gilgal. Now Gilgal in the Bible means literally, because all the names mean something, it means to roll away the reproach of past failures and bondage. Gilgore means to roll away the reproach of past failures, past bondage that you've been in. It was at Gilgal that they first rested when they came into the promised land. It was in Gilgal that they, the Lord spoke to them and said, Today I've rolled away the reproach of living a life in bondage in Egypt. It was in Gilgal they renewed their covenant with God. And they, became, they were circumcised. Very painful process if you're a grown man. They were publicly circumcised. Still goes on in Uganda. Terrible, terrible thing. And, uh, but they were publicly circumcised. They went through pain, the pain of change or separation to the call of God. If you're going to change in the coming year, you have to face that sometimes there are things in our lives we have to deal with. And I know enough of you, and I've been counseling enough of you and working with enough of you now to know some of you are sitting on issues in your life that are painful. And rather than cover it and hide and withdraw, you need to actually bring, the, bring to the light the issue of pain and make room for God to bring wholeness in your life, to bring cleansing and wholeness in your life. In the Bible, circumcision uh, in the Old Testament was a physical thing. In the New Testament, it's the heart. Bible says circumcision in the New Testament is a matter of the heart. It's actually letting God take away or deal with the things in our heart which aren't right. So I believe one of the things that God is going to do in every person here, and you'll find over the year you'll feel the Spirit of God working in your life, is to deal with motivations, why you do what you do. To deal with attitudes, the kind of attitudes that we carry. To deal with how we're living our life. Whether we're one thing in church on Sunday, whether we're living something different during the week. <clears throat> Circumcision was the sign of a covenant. 
It was that a man had entered into covenant with God. In the Old Testament, it was physical circumcision. In the New Testament, it's the heart. God wants a changed heart. I wonder how many people could identify areas in your life that perhaps they're painful, the areas where you've been defeated, areas where you feel you can never seem to get on top of it. Could be a simple thing like smoking. Could be a simple thing like a, a bad habit or some kind of issue in your life. And you felt like it's, it's embarrassment to you because you've been defeated in that area. Well, that's the thing that God wants to touch this coming year. And the thing is, when God speaks about things, he will empower, he'll, he'll release grace to those he'll make and step out to try and do something about changing. He'll help us. Amen? So a year of change. Season of change. Season of change. Change. Change is good. Change is where you get growth. Change is where you come in life. You all got real quiet when I talk about change. And you all got to talk about areas of pain. But I know enough of you to know. And I've been through some stuff this last year. But it was all good. It was all good because the fruit of letting God work in our heart and change our heart attitudes is we become bigger. Our capacity is bigger. We are freer to live the life God wants us to live. He never called you to live in bondage. If you've got something that dominates you, something that defeats you, God wants to help you get out of that situation. But you've got to position yourself for that to happen. You've got to make a decision to change. In Matthew 4, 17, Jesus said, repent or have a change in the way you think, change your attitude, change mentality, because that's how you access the blessings of God's kingdom. So in the coming year, for those who are willing to change, I believe there'll be tremendous growth, tremendous advancement for you in the coming year. But you've got to make the decision, I'll change. And I encourage you during the holidays to have a think and spend time in the presence of God, asking the Lord to show you what are the areas you need me to change in. What are the areas you want me to personally grow in? Write them down. Get them specific. Nothing changes until it becomes specific. Could be in your marriage. Could be in your finances, your family. Could be in character. Could be in some habits in your life. Could be a lack of discipline. Could be in your spiritual life. Whatever the area is, write it down. Then begin to think, what do I need to do to break in this area? Sometimes we've got to go and get someone's help. We've got to get someone to stand with us, counsel us, pray for us. Sometimes it's deliverance. Most times, or almost every time, it involves some change in the way we think and often becoming accountable to someone to grow. Hey? So all advance requires change. How many made some changes this year? Oh, great. The others who put your hands down, shame on you. You were happy to live with last year, the year before's blessing. You know, the thing is, I've learned this. All it takes is a little bit of change to bring life to all the rest. So if I just keep changing a little bit every year, it keeps life around everything else. But if you just rest on your laurels and go on the year before successes, what happens is you gradually die. You don't even know it. You're living in the past. You're living on previous successes. Listen, let me ask you this without you putting your hand up. How many people can share testimony of God speaking to you and doing something special that was different this year in your life? If you can't answer to that, then you're, you're actually in a position where you're perishing spiritually. You've become old and you're not moving with God. God's always doing new things. Always. He's always committed to our potential, to the best in our life coming out. So he'll always be speaking about growth. Eh? We all get quiet now. Come on. You know, it's going to be a great year next year. You're changed. Tell someone you need to change anyway. <laughs> Come on, you need to change anyway. Don't want the same old you this coming year. I don't want more of the same. We want something a bit better next year, okay? Shape up. Okay, it's the second thing. Year of change. 
Second thing is a year of an overcoming mentality. Where do we get that? It says, notice here, children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal and Caleb. Now, this is the guy we're focusing on now, Caleb. Now, I like this guy, Caleb. The name Caleb means, uh, means literally this. It means to be forcible, to be assertive, or one who goes out on the attack. Well, aren't you like that? There's nothing passive about that. Whoever named him, named him with some, some faith in their heart, didn't they? Eh? So, the one who is forcible. And one's got a bit of assertion in him. He's not, he doesn't lie down and let life roll over him and say, oh, the government isn't doing enough and there's no one to help me. He wasn't like that at all. You know this story of a man there in the Bible and he was lying there and he was crippled. And Jesus said, do you want to walk? He said, well, there's no one to help me to get into the pool. You know, they everyone get ahead of me. You know? He was in that kind of mentality. That's a passive losing mentality. You can't get ahead if you kind of blame someone else for why you are where you are. You actually have to make a decision. If things are going to change in my life, I will be responsible. I've got to get an attitude. I can do it. I can change. And so Caleb was a man like that. It was right through his life. See, so we've got to shake off passivity. Don't be passive. Uh, She'll be right. Listen, where did you get a she'll be right attitude from? You don't get that from the Bible. It won't be she'll be right. The Bible tells us, rise up, stand up, stir up, do something. But don't become passive. You don't change the world by lying down and saying she'll be right. You change your world by standing up and saying, this year it'll be different. Just watch this place. There has to be something in us. Be willing to embrace change and embrace some challenges. It's an internal hard attitude. See, we're going to talk how to get that. So you need a a can-do mentality. Look what it says in Numbers chapter 13 and verse 30. What had happened is the 12 spies had gone into the land. God says, go and have a look, see what you think. They came back and 10 of them said, oh, it's great. In fact, all 12 said, it's great. What God has planned for us, all good. All good. They all come back with the same thing. All good. It's all good. Good, there's fruit, there's this, there's they all go good. And, and then 10 of them said, but there's giants, oh, there's problems, it's so difficult, it's so hard, you know. And I saw the cities, they were so big. How could you ever get to, we're not able to do this. And this is what it says, Joshua, Caleb did, he silenced them. In other words, he said, shut up, you whingers. Stop that. He said, listen, our God is with us, and we are well able to go in. The other said, wow, we, we feel like grasshoppers on the side of this thing. See, you've got to make a decision. See, what he did was he stopped negative talk around him, and he began to declare what he could do. See, now people around you will always say, but you can't do that. You can't do that. When I came, we came here, they said, you can't do this. We bought the building. You can't do this. In fact, all I've ever heard around really from outside is when you can't do that. Well, we just did it. See, it's done. You can't do that. You haven't got the money. Well, it's all paid off. You understand, people, people who have unbelief in their heart will tend to be very negative and they'll tend to look at what is wrong and magnify what's wrong. And Caleb saw the problems. He wasn't blind. He wasn't stupid. He saw the problems, but he also saw the bigness of God able to help. And so what came out of his mouth, what came out of his mouth was what was in his heart. And if we listen to you long enough, what's in your heart will come out your mouth. You'll begin to say where you're coming from. And so what happened was, this man was a man of faith. Now the Bible tells when you've got faith in your heart, then you certainly speak in a certain kind of way. This man had a can-do attitude. An overcoming attitude. See, we can do it. We can do it. We can do it. You need to get that can-do attitude. Well, the Bible says in Philippians 4 verse 13, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
I can. I can. I can do it. I can do whatever God calls me to do. I can do it. That word can do means I have strength to overcome. That's not bad, is it? Philippians 4.13, where he says, I can do all things through Christ. That means I have strength to overcome every challenge through Christ who empowers me to do it. So whatever God calls you to face this year, you can do it. All you've got to do is learn to draw, not on your own sources, but you've got to learn to draw from God. We have to learn to draw on the grace of God, to lean on Him to help us. Instead of feeling frustrated, we can't, and it's too difficult, all that kind of thing. Learn to draw from God. And the way we do that is time in His presence, time in His Word. And sometimes we need others to help us maintain our commitments. Very easy to write a commitment down here and no one sees it, but when you've got a small group and you're part of a small group and you write down and you say, I'm committed to do this this year, could you guys look out for me, see how I'm doing? All it would take is someone to ask you about three months down the line, how are you getting on? Did you do it? <laughs> I don't want you to ask me that, you know. But you need someone to ask you that. You need someone to ask you, did you keep your commitment? Did you do what you said you'd do? That's one of the greatest, most powerful ways you'll change this year. If you are connected closely enough to someone that they have the right, you've given them the right to ask you, did you keep that commitment? Did you do it? That will bring more change in your life, just that simple thing than anything else. The tendency is to want to go on our own. We go on our own, that's a real problem. A real problem. Because then what happens is you cut yourself off from the people who can speak both encouragement and correction into your life. So we need people. We don't, we're, none of us are made to go it alone. So, so this man, I can do it. I can do it. That's a good thing, isn't it? You notice his name is, he's the son of Jephunneh, which means he will turn or change. Hey? So this is when you change, when you're willing to change, you get a different attitude. A different attitude. You've got to put on an attitude, I can do it. Here's the next thing. Third thing. Said, he said, notice here it says in verse, same verse. Now you know the thing that the Lord said to Moses, the man of God. It's, see, so God had spoken. You know what he based his whole 45 years of living a positive life on, one promise of God. He said, you know what God told me 45 years ago. He said, this is my day. I've sat on that dream for 45 years, and today is my day. See, what he was sustained by was a dream. For 40, you, you can't imagine what it's like if you're right at the edge of succeeding in this big deal, right at the edge of the biggest thing in your life, and because of the crowd of negative people, the whole show's cancelled, it's all put on hold for 45 years. Can you imagine that? Now, you imagine what kind of attitude you've got to have. 45 years, every day, people died. Two million people died out over 40 years. That means there were quite a lot of people every day. Every day's funeral services. There's one less, one less, one less. One, I'm one step closer to the promise. He'd be looking out. He'd be looking out. <laughs> They're nearly all gone. They're nearly all gone. Then finally, ah, it's my day. You understand he overcame tremendous negativity around him. What an amazing man. I mean, he was carried by a dream in his heart. And so God wants us to carry dreams. You need a dream in your heart. Dream for your marriage, dream for your family, dream for your life, a dream for your future, a dream for finance, dream for your business. You need a dream. You need some. Your dream is your future. No dream, it's more of the same. We need a dream. And the Bible tells us that God speaks to us. In Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, I know the thoughts I have for you. I know the plans I have for you, plans for good, not evil, that I might cause you to look forward with hope to your future. 
So if you want to look forward to this coming year with hope, position yourself to listen to God and begin to talk over your life and your plans with him. Ask him to begin to show you some of the things he's got planned for you. He won't give you the whole life laid out. He'll give you enough for the next year. He'll give you some things that he wants to do in you. Take time to listen to him. Bible promises very, very clearly. There's a scripture there, and uh, let's get, have a look at it. It goes in uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 17. It says, In the last days I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And he talks about visions and dreams. He talks about the whole realm of the supernatural of God beginning to invade us. That's why at the beginning of the year, we start off with prayer and fasting. We start off positioning ourselves to really get clear and sharp with God. When we begin to start that season of prayer and fasting, I encourage you to enter into that. Don't just sort of think, oh, I don't feel like that. Listen, we're moving as a corporate body. We expect if we flow together, we'll see results you can't get individually. And so I want to be prepared when we have a prophet come into the church that we're in a place where we're hungry for and receiving the word of God. God's speaking directly into the church. And uh, those of you who can remember back to when Charlie spoke last year, he spoke a number of things, and all of those things have had relevance for this coming and this past year. So I want to hear that, eh? Position ourselves. So God wants to release revelation to you. He always does. It comes out of relationship. It comes out of spending time worshiping him and then listening for his voice. You've got to be still to do that. You've got to prioritize hearing God. So I wonder what priority you're placing in the coming year on letting God talk to you. Some of you young ones are making decisions of future. Why don't you spend some time listening to God until it settles in your heart? Sometimes it comes directly. Sometimes it comes as you just talk around with your parents and other people. You begin to feel a sense in your heart, this is what I need to do. It begins to settle. So you can't rush hearing from God because it's in the spirit. And you have to be settled in your soul to hear in your spirit. Okay, here's the next thing. So let me hear for strong faith. Notice what he says here, verse 7. 40 years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy at the land. I brought him word as was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brothers that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord. Now notice, it's a year for faith. Now faith is not something fuzzy. It's not the same as hoping. It's not the same as, well, I'm believing, you know, so many times people use the word believe. They mean really they hope something's going to happen. I'm gonna, I believe it'll be a great Christmas. I believe it's going to be a good year. Now, all of that is really just, it's just actually, I hope it'll be like this. Faith is a knowledge, a certainty in our spirit because we've heard personally from God. See, now this man here had a word from God. It wasn't just he had a good idea wasn't just he was trying to work something up. He had personally heard a word from God. Actually, he heard it through someone. And God spoke to him through Moses and said, that place that you saw, that place that you walked on, that will be yours. Now, listen, if you're going to have faith in your heart, we have to be able to listen to God. It's a personal thing of listening to the voice of God. And the way you hear the voice of God, you've got to quiet down means spending time alone with him, spends time in the word of God, spends time meditating in the word of God until we begin to hear God speak to us. Keep a journal, write down the things God says. If you will position yourself, God will speak to you. Now, faith does something. Faith doesn't sort of hide it away. You notice here, he says, I bought word as was in my heart. We need to align, when you've got faith in your heart, the next two things that need to be aligned is your words and your actions. If a person's got faith in their heart, they speak like they've got faith in their heart. They speak like it's as good as done. 
It's a knowing. Faith is, now, now faith is the knowledge or the substance of things God's spoken of. So I know we speak and confess. This will be good. This will happen. We're actually able to speak with boldness and confidence. Notice what he said. We can do it. We're well able. God has given this thing to us. Now you see, you won't speak like that unless you're certain inside. And that certainly comes, it's called faith. And I found, if I listen to people for a little while, I can tell whether there's faith or unbelief. If there's faith, you speak like this. You're positive. There's praise and gratitude to God. There's expectation of good things to come. When people are placed in unbelief, they're negative. They complain. They find fault. Little things become big things. I'm amazed how a little thing can become very big for so many people. I look at it in the course of life. How big is that? How big is that? There's nothing. Get over it. But if it's a big thing in their mind, someone mistreated them, and it becomes a big thing in their mind, rather than just get it in perspective and get it into, into the at attitude where, well, listen, if some bad things have happened to me, well, how can God turn this for good? Because doesn't the word of God say, all things work together for my good? Because I love him and I'm called by him. He can turn everything around for my good. See? So when a person's got faith in their heart, there is a positive uh, attitude and a life flow that comes. It's not just thinking positively. It comes out of a knowledge that you've encountered God, you've experienced something of God. See? So notice, let me give you a couple of things. Faith always speaks and faith always acts. Notice in Luke chapter 5 verse 5, Peter's out. He's had a whole night out, hopeless fishing, not a fish caught. He's just about to can it and go to bed for the morning. And Jesus said, go out again. Lower your nets. And he starts off protesting. Oh, Lord, we went out all night. Okay, at your word, I'll lower the nets. See, in other words, he, he made a clear statement. What you've said to me, I'll do it. I'll do it. Now, parents, God's speaking to you some things about your children, your teenagers. Do it. Do it. Do it. They don't always like it, but do it. The things that God's talking to you about in your marriage and family, do them. Write them down. And then do them. Then check back whether you really did them. See, faith always acts. Uh, there's uh, another scripture there where Acts 27 verse 23 to 25. And it tells us that Paul's in a boat. And the boat's all around him. in chaos. It's about to sink. Everyone's about to lose their life. And in the middle he said, listen, don't worry. He said, God spoke to me. And I believe it's going to be like God said, not like the circumstances say. See, many people are led by feelings and by circumstances. Don't be led that way. Be led by what God says he's going to do. And feelings and circumstances change. But God's word, if you'll hang on to it, will never, never let you down. It's very faithful. John chapter 2 and verse 5. Jesus uh, was uh, in the, at the wedding and uh, Mary spoke to the people. said, listen, whatever he says to you, do it. And they just did what Jesus said. They didn't argue. They didn't question. Here's how a lot of people think. Well, well, if you explain it all to me so I can understand it, then I'll do it. They never do, and they never understand. What I've learned is when God speaks, they say, yes, I'll do it. And then the understanding comes. He said, if you do the truth, then you'll know the truth, and the truth will free you. So in other words, we tend to want to understand everything before we act. And God says, I want you to trust me. When I speak to you, I'm acting in your best interests. And I'm not going to explain it all. I just want you to do the things I tell you to do. As you do them, then greater and greater insight will come. You notice what Jesus said to his disciples. He said, I don't call you servants anymore because servants don't know what the master's doing. In other words, a servant follows commands. So we start off with God serving God. He speaks and we have to step out and trust him. 
When we see we're doing that, he begins to give more insight to us. And then we become a friend of God because we've learned how to be a servant of God. It's how Jesus became great. He was a servant of God. Whatever the Father tells me, I do that. I say that. That's what I do. So I don't have opinions about anything else. Just do what the Father says. So you understand, it's not so hard. It's why it's ordinary people can walk with God. It's very, very simple. Okay, then. So here's the next thing. It's a year, number five, it's a year for discipleship and growth. Discipleship and personal growth. Notice what it says in verse 9. He says, Moses swear on that day, saying, Surely the land wherein your feet have trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever because you wholly followed the Lord. Now notice that statement, your inheritance and your children. Our words shape the next generation. Our attitudes shape the next generation. Our actions shape the next generation. Do you know what? One of the greatest tragedies I have seen is this. I've been around a long time, and I've seen this over and over and over again. I've seen parents, and God was trying to touch their life, trying to change them, and they got offended, and they become negative, and they walked. And I watched not only what happened to them, but what happened to their children. And the thing that stumbled the parents literally overthrew the children. When the parents left being in the place where God was leading them on, what happened was the children totally walked away from God with offense, and as far as I'm aware, never come back. And that to me is a terrible tragedy. I've seen people walk away from blessing, walking away from God touching their life, walking away because God was speaking about an attitude and they become offended, or they become offended with someone or something. They moved away. But what happened was the next generation went with them. You just got to always remember what you do. There's some people coming behind you are going to be watching your steps. And so we shape the next generation by our words and our attitudes and our actions. So when Caleb stood up and made a strong stand to wholly follow the Lord, it didn't just affect him, it affected his family and the next generation. I have believed for years with joy that our steps to follow the Lord would impact our children and our grandchildren. One, because the Bible says that's how it ought to be. That your faith, your walk with God creates a legacy to pass on to the next generation. But you've got to see that they're passed, it's passed on. You've got to see they're prepared to receive it. And so you notice here that this speaks of an intergenerational body of people where one generation breaks through and the next generation can start where they left off. Your kids shouldn't have to struggle to get where you are. They should be able to come to where you are easily and then carry the bat and go further than you went. And I found there's, I'm looking around and watching and reading and certain things. What I see is a whole generation of my age or this kind of age bracket or whatever, the baby boomers, all they want to do is spend it and leave nothing for anyone else. Thought how incredibly selfish. You're not thinking how you can actually give the next generation a hand up so they can come straight up to where you are and then go beyond that. We've always got to be thinking that way, not just living for ourselves. Now that gives, see that's a principle of life. You don't just live for yourself. You're living for the next generation to invest in them and leave a legacy that they'll carry on. You've got to think that way. That's, that's how God thinks. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, three generations. So God, so church, would normally have grandparents, parents, and children. They have all three generations there, and there's a legacy. Everyone has a part. It's not all about young people. I know we love all the young people and all the energy and life and vitality, but it isn't all about you. <laughs> In case you thought it was. And in case some of the older people thought, <laughs> might have thought it was too, but it isn't. 
It's actually an intergenerational church. I was very proud of the church the other night when they were out and I looked at the age range and the comments of people. They said, all those people, this is a church, is it? I said, yes, this is a church. This is our church, this is Bay City. I said, what are all these young people? I said, yes, it's all young people from the church. I said, all the older people as well? Yeah, the older people from the church too. Maori people, yeah, they're from the church too. Everyone is. Really? Whoa. Because it challenges our culture when they see generations mixing and flowing together and connecting together. So it's a real challenge. Now, this all speaks of discipleship and growth. We actually have to grow and have to be willing to impart to others. Eh? God wants us to be able to invest in someone. That's his, when Jesus' last commandment he left was to make disciples. In other words, to train people in character, attitude, and lifestyle based on the Word of God and a relationship with God. He wants us to do that. Discipleship. That's what he said. Make disciples. Make people who are fully committed to follow Christ. That's the mandate to the church. Now, how does that happen? Well, it doesn't happen just by sitting in a meeting. You actually have to position yourself where someone can talk into your life. Oh, well, I'll just come to meetings, thank you. Well, then you've just limited what could happen in your life. See, the only way that you can really be shaped and grow as a believer is not just by coming to meetings. That's why people who flit around and watch television programs, they never really grow. They remain very empty and very religious, but there's no life and power in them. The reason is because they haven't got someone sitting in front of them to speak into them, challenge them. Some of you know I challenged you this year, got right in your face and put some things on you had to do. And, 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 that, and actually, now you love me more because I made you do it. Now you're a better person for it, see? Didn't like it at the time, but a better person for it. See, so we need something. Now, listen, that doesn't happen unless you give permission to someone to speak into your life. We're never too old for someone to talk into us and help us grow. But you've got to choose the person and you've got to choose to be open and vulnerable in that way. And that's what discipleship's about. Discipleship is about being able to train people who are willing to learn and help them become in a place where they can fulfill a, their God-given destiny. But it's actually something you've got to be willing to position yourself for it to happen. It doesn't matter whether it's in business or in, 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 in coaching for um, music or any kind of it. You don't just get a great musician by sitting down with music. You have a coach. See, why would we think that our spiritual life and our growth would be much different if we don't have someone to talk into us? Now, young ones, you need someone to talk into your life. Not just mum and dad. I know there are times when it gets a bit stressed with mum and dad. That's all fine. That passes over and you'll find they know an awful lot more than you thought. But uh, there is a point where you do need others to speak in your life. You've got to position yourself. You've got to choose to let someone say to you what you may not want to hear so you can grow. It's how you grow. And then not only that, we need someone that we're investing in that they can grow. And you can't just give them a lot of knowledge. Don't give them a Bible and tell them all the stuff in the Bible. They need much more than that. They need someone living the Bible. They need, show me what in your life works and just give me that bit. The rest of the stuff's all a lot of head knowledge. I'm not interested. Just show me what you've got from God that you've made to work in life and then teach me how to do the same. See, that's what people need. That's what people need. They really need that. And see, so, so lo don't mistake lots of Bible knowledge for discipleship. I know heaps of people full of the Bible. Some of them in other places are full of the Bible, but they actually still aren't disciples of Christ because discipleship involves being in the Word, abiding in the Word, or actually taking hold of the Word of God and learning to live it. We've got to live it. We've got to live the Word of God. We've got to learn how to love people. So you can't be a disciple of Jesus if you don't get connected to people and love them. You may know all the Bible. If you don't love people, what, what, where are you coming from? You know, we'll, we'll keep away from me.
You won't help me. You understand? That's what Jesus, Jesus came to give us life. See, Jesus said, if you're going to be my servant, you've got to, you're going to be my follower, you've got to learn how to serve. So one of the things I've, I've noticed, three things that characterize disciples of Christ. One is they love the word and spirit of God and they're in it and they know it and they're growing in it all the time. See? Two, they know how about love people. See, they understand that God values people. So all the buildings go, but the people live on forever. So what counts are the people? Loving people. That's why God put you in a church. You may say, well, you know, I don't want to, want to be in a church. I want to be somewhere else where there's no people around to bug me. <laughs> you know, well, that's why they're there, you know, to help you grow. And they will bug you out of your brain until you change. <laughs> then, you'll feel, then, then, then they've served their purpose in that regard. You know, you've got to realize that God knows exactly who to bring into your life to shift you. And there you are, you're trying to pray for that person to change, and God's want you to change. You're frustrated and waving your fist at God because they won't change. God's saying, listen, you're all wound up about it. What's wrong with you? You know, you change. I was teaching some young ones this year. Listen, the one near to God is the one who changes. If you're near to God, you change, and everything around you will change. Okay? And so we need to develop a serving heart. A serving heart is wherever you go, you're just there to serve and advance God's interests. And when you're like that, it's a real easy life. You just go and you find something you can do to help. I found for people who are servants, they become God's friends, and there's always a place where they can do things. There's always. Okay? A lot of people are worried about the position. I'm going to this position, that position, whatever position. You don't need a position to serve. You just go and help someone on the way out the door. It's really simple. Okay, here's the last one now, down the last couple. And uh, here it is, the last couple now, a year of enlargement and challenge. Verse 10 and 11. Behold, the Lord kept me alive these 45 years. As the Lord spoke this word to Moses, now I'm 85. And I'm as strong today as I was on the day Moses sent me. Oh, my strength was then, even as my strength now for war. And he's wanted to go out to a fight, both to go out and to come in. So give me this mountain. Hey, I like that spirit. Wow. Give me a challenge. Don't you like that? That's what you should be saying next year. Give me a challenge, God. He'd just love to hear that come out of your mouth. He doesn't want you like this. No more. I surrender. Come on. Give me a challenge, God. Give me a challenge. Give me something. And this man had a mountain that God spoke to him about. The mountain was a challenge. It was a, it was a large mountain. It represented a spiritual kingdom. In that mountain were giants. In that mountain were problems. In that mountain was a fight brewing. But in that mountain was his future. And in that challenge that you've got, it's your futures in there. When you've won that, there's a whole heap of people behind you. You're going to be able to help. So that challenge is your future. Oh, we need to welcome challenges. Not do our best to weasel out of them. You know, we need to take the challenge. Eh? Don't live in the past. We live now with the challenge of the coming year. I wonder what challenges you need to face this year. I wonder what things you're saying. God, give me that mountain. Give me that unsafe friend. Give me that breakthrough in finance. Give me that breakthrough in that habit. What is the mountain you're asking God to give you? I don't know. There's no mountain then. He's wandering around in circles. What is it? See, make it specific. God, this year, I want a breakthrough in this. This year. See, this is me. He says, I'm 85. And listen, he said, something God put in my heart 45 years ago, I've got it alive now. 
I want it. I'm believing for it. That's where my future lies. That's where my destiny lies. And I love that kind of spirit. Do you like that kind of spirit? Man, I like that. Now, I want all the old people in the church like that. I'm rapidly catching up to you old ones. I'll bury you all. (laughs) But I want you to go out with the same spirit. See? Go out with the same spirit. Oh, every year, you give me this mountain. Maybe for you it's just to get around the block. It doesn't really matter. It's a mountain. Just okay. It's your mountain for this year. Get up and do it. Just do something you didn't do before. Whatever it is. See? It can be very, very simple. But for you it's a challenge. Therefore it's a mountain. God, give me this mountain. This is my mountain. We have some challenges as a church in the coming year we'll talk about. But, you know, we're called to stretch out. See? Jesus never wants you to live in the comfort zone. He always wants you to live in the zone where you need him to come through and see his life flow. So he told the disciples, feed the crowd. They said, what do you to Feed the crowd. We've got 10 bucks. Feed the crowd. But he's wanting them to draw on heaven's resources to face challenges. Eh? You can do it. Can you do it? Some of you can. Some of you already stirred up inside. Here's the last one. It's a year of blessing and conflict. Notice what he said here. It says, jo- Joshua, that name, that name Joshua means Jesus the Savior, blessed him and he gave him the inheritance. Now, isn't that wonderful? He blessed him and said, there it is, all yours. Only one problem. The giants are still there. So the blessing of God always, inevitably, for you to come into the blessing of God, there is a conflict you have to face. So in those three verses there, look at this. Look, 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 look. It says here, And Joshua blessed him and gave him the land of Hebron for an inheritance. And it became the inheritance of Caleb. Now listen, it became? How did it become his inheritance? He had to sharpen the sword up, had to get everyone around him, and they had to go there and clean up four giants. And everything else that was in there. And he says, so when it says it became his inheritance, he had a great fight on his hands. And remember, God's blessing means he has favored you. He's spoken something that belongs to you. You have to do all that's needed to get hold of it. And that will involve conflict. Because the moment you say, I'm believing God for this. I'm doing this. I'm changing this. I'm doing this. There'll be a conflict arise. Someone won't want it. Status quo only shifts. When someone's got enough energy to shift it against the inbuilt resistance. Hey man, haven't you ever tried to get a job done here locally? How hard it is to get the job off the ground, you know? There's like an inbuilt resistance to any change. In Dannyburg where I lived, it was like that. Inbuilt resistance to any change. Isn't that an earthquake and it all changed? It was wonderful. (laughs) Everything started to change. Well, God wants to put an earthquake inside your soul so that in the coming year, it's give me this mountain, I will go up. And make it mine. It may be family. It may be marriage. maybe finance. maybe an area of breakthrough in business. Area in your life. Whatever it is. Write it down. Get it up in front of you. And daily say this mountain. God give me this mountain. This is mine. You watch. By the end of this year. I'm through this thing. You watch. I did a few things this year. And uh, Joy and I. We broke through. Got the end of the year. We just cleaned it up. Just in time. No, no, no more. No less. Just made it. Just got through. Next year, it's going to be a great year. Can you say amen? Why don't we close our eyes? Father, we just thank you. You're a God who takes us on, a God who takes us forward. Thank you for the abundant changes of the last year. Thank you for your blessings in every way. Thank you for a great church. Thank you for a church that's generous, that's full of life, that's full of abundance, that's full of love and full of uh, faith towards God. We thank you for that. Now, Lord, bring us to another level. Bring us to a whole new level that we might invade and affect lands. We might affect countries for you. 
that we might affect our own community for you. Give us entrance into the schools. Give us entrance into the hearts of the community. Lord, give us influence in this area. Lord, let this coming year be a year of change and growth and increase and enlargement of faith, of an overcoming mentality, of blessing and of battles won in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, let's give Jesus the glory, shall we? Let's give him the honor. We're going to fill him with a great song. I love this verse. It goes like this. Our thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in Jesus Christ. Always. That's every time. Let's just stand finished with the final song. Stay on for a cup of coffee, won't you? Uh, if you're a visitor upstairs, I think the cafe's closed next year. They must be having a holiday. Don't blame them, really. So take someone home for lunch and give them a cup of coffee.